Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have Mr. Goose McGrath from Dash Dot. That's right, now Mr. Goose is someone, and yes, that's actually not his real name. Maybe we tell you what his real name is in the episode, I'm not sure. You have to listen to find out. But Goose is all about helping people grow their wealth using property, especially business owners and entrepreneurs. So if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur and you're like, oh, look, I'm starting to make money in my business, how do I then grow wealth passively? And we get into the whole passive versus active income in this episode as well, then this is an episode you do not want to miss. So let's jump into the show. But before we do, make sure if you need any help with your marketing, you head over to marketingmogul.com.au. Now let's jump into the show. Mr. Goose, sir, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. It's a real, it's a, not only a joy, but it's an absolute honor to actually join the pedigree of people that have appeared on the Kim Barrett show. You've had a pretty like hefty range of guests on here, man. So thanks for taking some time to allow me to participate and be on this journey with you as well. We needed to increase our handsomeness quota, good sir. So we, we, put the, we, we looked around and we're like, look, we've got to get Goose on, you know. We've, we've got to increase those stats a little bit. Mate, I did, uh, I did actually do a mustache enhancing shave just ready for this, just to try and, you know, woo, woo your, some of your esteemed audience. Uh, look, I, I think it's definitely going to happen, good sir. But let's dive in anyway. I love to know, as always, when I open up the podcast, I always like to ask this question, which is, if I met you and we're at a party and we're having a, maybe a couple of beers together and I said, Goose. What is it that you actually do? What is the go-to answer? Good question. Kim, you know how there's a lot of like books and resources and courses and guides and tools out there that teach business owners how to like make money? Well, I'm the guy that you speak to once you've kind of done that and then you actually want to work out how to keep it, but also how to start making money outside of business and do it in a meaningful way so you can have some exit strategies. I love that. I love that. And I think it is, as you, as you said there, it's like, it's important to know about those long-term things, especially as business owners, because we get so stuck in our business. And then really, if you do start making money and hopefully that everyone listening or watching is making good money in their business and starting to and moving forward, it's like, cool, do I just spend more money in my business? You know, do I you just go and buy, you know, like a bit of Bitcoin and hang on to that? Like all the totally. all the different things that you hear about. And especially if you're a business owner, you're probably seeing ads for everything. And I apologize on that's probably me. Uh, ads for, <laughs> <laughs> for all these different things that uh, you could do in your business. But let's like at the start of that, what you mentioned there is like, cool, once you started making money for, for business owners, hmm. because a lot of times we go, all right, cool, we are making money, but at what point do you think, and obviously it might be different for everyone, but at what point do you think people should start thinking about, cool, I have X in my business. Now I should be starting to look at those opportunities. Obviously, it's going to vary depending on size, overheads, having you know cash flow in the bank and whatnot for those rainy day emergencies. But is there kind of a rule of thumb for a business owner? No, but I do think that maybe we should take a little, like a bit of a sidestep because one of the things that I think, and look, I can speak from personal experience here as well, like it's not so much a, oh, you know, once you hit $100,000 a month, you should start buying property or something like that. You know, for those of you who don't know, that's kind of the area that I specialize in is real estate investing. And that's kind of where I think there's a beautiful marriage there. We can kind of talk about that. 
But I think there's actually kind of a bigger issue that really needs to be considered because what happens in that pathway, and look, I'm sure you've experienced it yourself as a business owner, you sort of, you go into business and you start thinking, all right, great. So I'm going to be the master of my own destiny and I'm going to create this pathway to wealth and I'm going to make all this money and life's going to be good and I'm going to have this fantastic, you know, vision of the future where I can travel the world and do all of this cool kind of stuff. The realities of business is that it's very active, Mm. right? And at a certain point, every business owner is going to start asking themselves the que- like a really quite confronting question. And, and now what? Like, and now what do I do? You know? And so that, that question comes at many different phases of the journey. When you're just starting out and you're like, oh my God, there's all this stuff going on. God, now what do I do? Is this going to be like this forever? And then that's an opportunity to start thinking, okay, well, is this it? Is this it? And then even as you're a little bit more, even a bit more progressed and you're like, okay, cool. I've got a bit more stability now and I'm starting to make some more profit and things are like, okay, I've matured a little bit in my business journey. Well, well, now what? You know, do I just keep growing? Like, is, it, is the answer in business, is the answer in business just to keep building a bigger business? Is that really the goal? Because sometimes the answer is yes. But I would suggest that for most people, the answer that they really seek is how do I get more fulfillment? The problem that we're faced with is that we keep getting told, oh, yeah, just grow more, just grow more. Well, why spend more on ads, build a bigger team, go harder, go larger. The problem is that can actually break people, not just financially, but emotionally. You know, I, I heard a story recently of a company that went bankrupt by, by they grew to $250 million a year and went bankrupt because they, they had all their profitability wrong and didn't have an exit strategy. So there's that. But then there's the, kind of, there's the other kind of component too, that if you, like, what's the end game? You know, is, is the end game just to stay in your business? Because that also sounds a bit like a prison, right? So at the end of the day, what we've got is a very high risk, highly, highly volatile environment with no real way to get that thing that we wanted when we started out. Does yeah, that make sense? That, spot on. I think like to just to distill it down, if I'm picking up what you're putting down is it's like, cool, you need to know what your goal is, right? And yeah. if you know what your goal is, then it's easy for you to be able to figure out and not just a revenue. So it's not like, cool, my goal is a million dollar business. It's like, cool, that's one part of your goals. Then it might yeah. be cool. I've got a young kid and I've got to spend, I want to be able to spend four hours a day with them. And then I have a partner who I want to be able to take on four vacations a year. And then, you know, I have parents who I want to be able to not put in a retirement home and be able to support them or something like that. And you've got to look at all of those things holistically, not just the revenue, but also the lifestyle factors and whatnot and go, cool. If these are my goals, then if I'm going to take a step towards something, where like what's going to drive me towards that, not just like money? Yeah, I, look, 100%, right? 100%. Now, I think when you really boil it down, you know, you do get people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk who are like, just they're like rocket ship to the moon, or in Elon's case, rocket ship to Mars, right? <laughs> kind of case. Kind of just like they're, they're in it, you know, like their whole future is tied to that. For most business owners, that's not the case. You know, as we know, 90% of businesses go out, you know, fail within the first 10 years and all of that kind of stuff. Or they maybe don't fail. Like they don't necessarily fail, but they just don't keep existing. And there's a big difference because a lot of business owners, they might not fail. They may go, all right, this thing works, but oh my God, is this, is this it? And they haven't actually started thinking about like what the, what the real plan is. And that, that in, therein lies a bit of a dichotomy because what most business owners want is autonomy or entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are really seeking you know, complete uninhibited autonomy. They want to be in charge of their creating their own revenue. They want to be in charge of their own schedule. They want to be their own boss. They want to do all their own stuff. So what ends up happening 
because they focus purely on one, one wealth stream being business, the business ends up becoming the boss and they don't have uninhibited autonomy. They only have uninhibited slavery to this machine they've created. And here's the thing. If you were to, I always say this, if you get hit by, if you walk out of, the, walk out of your home today and you get hit by a bus and you go into a coma for a year, are you going to wake up wealthier than when you started? Now, if business is your only strategy for achieving uninhibited autonomy, you know, to whatever the degree that means, spend more time with the family, have more money, all of that kind of stuff, the reality is I don't really know any businesses that would actually continue to work if the owner ceased showing up for 12 months. What I like to think about is like, how can we live a life of passion, focus on business, create, you know, build a strong, healthy, happy business, but then create wealth and income streams outside of business in a way that can support that so that if you are either unwilling or unable to work anymore in your business, that you've got something else that can support you. No, no, Joe, I like that, that structure that you put, put to that for people to think about. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a business owner and you know I've listened to my uncle and my cousin and they've told me all the things about property and that they're good, bad and otherwise. And they're like, yeah, cool, Kim, like you earn money in your business. So of course I need to have a negatively geared property so I can reduce my tax, right? Because that's what it's all about is reducing my tax and how much tax I pay. If you heard someone talking about that, what would your viewpoint on that be? I'll be blunt. I mean, it's freaking stupid, right? As a business owner, let me like, there's, there's a couple of ways you can approach this. But as a business owner, do you want to own a business that doesn't make any money? Yeah, totally. Do you want to own a business that is not profitable? No, like no one does. You may go and there may be a situation, yeah, probably someone's listening going, you, look, you know what, I look for businesses that aren't making money and then I go buy them and I'll make them profitable. Yeah, 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 cool, got it, right? That makes sense. You can kind of do the same in real estate, right? But the premise, the premise being, do you want a business that is strategically designed to cost more money than, it's, than it makes? No, who the hell wants that? It's the same scenario in business. Guess what? I've lost money in business before. I've failed in business before. And guess what? I got a lot of tax credits. But you know what? I'd trade those tax credits for a successful business. You know, like I would trade those tax credits for cash if I could. I don't want tax credits. I would rather have had a successful business. And it's the same thing with real estate. Now, if you buy something, if you buy, let's say you've you've started going, okay, I'm making money in business. Great. Now I'm going to, I want to start creating some wealth outside of business. Good, good idea, by the way. Then what you should do is maybe, maybe what you're thinking, right, is I'm going to go buy real estate. Fantastic. Then do I negatively year, positive year? What's the strategy? What do I do? Now, at the end of the day, I lean back into that analogy that I pointed out a moment ago. If you were to go into a coma for 12 months, do you want something that's going to be producing more income or less income? Now, the reality is if you, for example, let's just say your business failed because they do sometimes, just in the same way that people lose jobs or you know, get sick or you know, you have life changes. If you're unable, unable to meet the liabilities that you've generated guess what gets pulled back? Your assets, they get liquidated. And the same thing happens, the same thing happens in real estate. So there's a couple of things. Personally, I don't want to have a cash eating machine that sits in the corner and says, you must give me the X amount of money every month. I would prefer something that pays me money and to pay tax on it. Mm. I think that's one of the most important things, right? Because if we're business owners and you're listening to this, you're, you're a business owner too, we should be treating the properties that if we're going to be looking at getting into property, each one should be like a business, right? And it's like, cool, we're building our pool of businesses. So of mm. course we don't like, why would we want something where we put more in than what we get out of it? We want to be accumulating because as well, like my limited knowledge of the financial and real estate sectors, if I have something that's 
costing me money. I can't get too many things that cost me money before I have no money left. Correct. It's a doom loop, right? Anyone yeah. who's read Good to Great, it's a doom loop. And that's the reality. Now, the big discussion there and the big reason that people oh, you must negatively gear to get capital growth. Now, anyone who understands compound growth knows that it's one of the most powerful forces of nature, blah, 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 all that kind of really good stuff. Yes, we do want strong compounding capital growth. The big fallacy and the big misunderstanding that people have is they think that it's just one of those common social myths, right? That in order to get capital growth, you must have a negatively geared property, as in like it must be negative cash flow. And if you want positive cash flow, you don't get any capital growth. Like people think it's that black and white and it's just literally not. You know, for a start, there's shades of gray and you can have completely negatively geared properties that literally go backwards in value and don't go up, right? And you can have positively geared properties which go up faster than negatively geared properties, even the ones closer to capital cities. And so it's really just about understanding those different mechanisms and understanding it's not, it's not split down the middle like that. Does that kind of... Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So it's like you've obviously got to assess everything and it's not one's right over anything. It's you've got to weigh up what's, what's the best of those different scenarios for your goals as well, I'm assuming. Now, if we're looking for that, so you mentioned there's like, what are some of the, the criteria that we need to look for? So you mentioned you can have positive cash flow. You can have ones that are going to have that appreciation. Mm. Like what are some of the, if someone's going cool, now I'm a business owner, I've got some money, I want to start looking at property. If I'm going to start, go out there and look at it, obviously, you know, for all intents and purposes, they, they probably should get help from you to start off with because it sounds like you know what you're talking about, right? But if I'm going out there, I'm going to start looking around. What are, like, what's my checklist that I need to make sure that I start ticking off so that I'm not going to get screwed over like my uncle's cousin's brother who went out there and got a negatively geared, you know, apartment in Melbourne and then never was able to sell it? Yeah. So that's a good question. Okay, so you pointed out a couple of things. So firstly, if you want to work out how to make money in business, step one, go speak to Kim, right? And then once you've kind of worked that out, come have a chat with me. But then after that, what we want to talk about is what that means, like what, what is meaningfully appropriate, particularly for a business owner. Now, before we get into that, because there's only really three criteria you ever need to understand to succeed in property. It's really that simple. There's a lot of people who try and have it as a bit of a dark art and like, oh, there's smoke and mirrors and ooh, there's some magic around it. It's just, it's just not. It's really it's very simple to understand. But I think the important thing for business owners to think about is like why, why real estate anyway? You know, as a business owner myself, it's very active. Any business owner knows it's a very active strategy and business is fantastic. You know, like business is awesome. I love business. I'm so passionate about it. And you can achieve such great amounts of financial reward in business. Like huge, but it's extremely active. So I actually think that real estate and business are the most beautiful pairing in, they're like, man, they're like a fine wine with a, with a Michelin star dinner. They're beautifully paired together because they, they complement each other massively. Now, if you, if you can understand that, you've got one active strategy and then you can move your active cash and allow it to make you a, a passive wealth stream, that's when you can start to see how these two, it's like yin and yang. You've got the masculine and the feminine. In this case, business is the masculine and real estate is the feminine because it's, it's more, it's calmer, more stable and, and more deeply connected. Now, once you can start to understand that relationship and to get things in balance in your own personal balance sheet, your own personal life, you know, spectrum, then you really only need to understand three things. If you want to buy an investment property or build an investment property portfolio, which, you know, does produce more income than it uses and goes up in value and can survive and thrive 
regardless of recessions and coronavirus or any other kind of future economic downturns, there's only really three things. Cash flow, cool, we kind of covered that. And you've got to define an area that's got high capital growth potential. You've got to be able to get those two things together. And if you can get those two things together, you're pretty much there, right? If it's going to grow in value and you're very confident about that and it's producing net positive income, happy days. You've got an amazing combo. But then the third piece, which this makes up what we call the holy trinity, is value-add potential. Now, a lot of people make a big mistake here because they think that whenever you say stuff like value-add potential, you're like, oh, okay, so you're like Sherry Barber or someone on the block and, you know, oh, we're going to, it's a renovation. No, not really. It's not really about actively going in and renovating and doing all that kind of stuff. However, if you buy assets which you have the opportunity to add value to at a time of your choosing when you see fit, which could be a renovation, but it shouldn't need it to make it work, or it could be a subdivision, or it could be any other number of different bunch of mechanisms, then when, not if, when the economy struggles, you have the ability to force more equity and force more cash flow into the property at a time you choose which means that you're never really at risk. You know, you've bought something which has you know, a very limited exposure risk and it kind of feeds into itself like a wealth ecosystem. Yeah, you said a lot of things there, right? And I'm, yeah. a, I'm a busy business owner entrepreneur and you said it was going to be passive, but that sounds like there's lots of work in there. What, when, when you say passive, because I want the business owners to know, right? It's like, how much time do I actually have to put in? Because you mentioned like I've got to identify those three components and then I've got to make sure that if I want to, I can do renovations or upgrade or subdivide mm. or things like that as well. Like if I'm if I'm going like I'm I'm in my active strategy in my business, I'm already like I'm I'm, I'm maxing out of my hours and then I've got to yeah. go and build in this property portfolio that I want to look at. Like how much time does it actually take for me as a business owner to be able to get what you've just mentioned there, like like hit the Holy Trinity, hit all those things. What, what am I like investing in time to be able to do something like this? Well, that's a great question, right? That is a great question. So real estate investing is a business, right? So I did try and differentiate those two things and say, oh, there's business and real estate. As asset classes there are, but real estate investing in and of itself is a business, right? It is, and it does require effort and work. So while the asset class is passive, the activity is not so passive. And as you pointed out, yeah, finding all that stuff is really hard. You know, if it was really that's, if it was, it's very simple, right? It's three key points. That's what you need to find, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And in fact, like anything, typically the best things in life aren't that easy. And it's the same kind of thing here. So look, I guess there's a couple of ways that you can do it. If you were to go and do it yourself, the average amount of time that an investor searches for an investment property and bearing in mind, 93% of investors uh, never get past the second property, so they're not most investors. Most investors stuff it up, right? The average investor spends nine months looking for an investment property, and the average amount of time per week that they spend looking is about—I think it's about eleven hours per week. Now that is a lot of time, right? That is a damn. Let's, let's a, do that. Was that nine, eighteen, twenty-seven, thirty-six? Like that's just ridiculous. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> The other side of the coin, and I don't want this to sound like a pitch, but like the other side of the coin is, is like we help people do it with only five contact hours. That's it, five hours, mm. right? And so you've, got, so you've kind of got a couple of ways you can do it. Just in the same way in business, you've got to look at like strengths, your strengths and weaknesses and, and highest levels of efficacy. So 
Kim, your highest level of eff- efficacy is being the CEO of your business and you know leading a fantastic digital marketing company and doing all of that kind of stuff. Probably not highest and best use of time studying demographic data for you, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the highest. You're not going to get the highest leverage use. Vice versa, I, now a business owner may go, look, I'm really good at the creative, but I'm not very good at the financial. I'm going to hire a CFO. Cool. It's very, it's very simple. Outsource the bits that make the most sense so that you can focus on your highest value activities, which is kind of why we exist, right? So, you know, to, for us, we've got, a, we've, got a, we've got a team and we spend pretty much seven days a week aggregating thousands of points of data and looking at this stuff all of the time. So it's quick, a lot quicker and easier for us just in the same way that someone, you know, you can specialize in Facebook ads and other people have no idea how they work. So what we're trying to do is, is reduce that time and, and reduce the friction that is stopping business owners from actually achieving greater levels of freedom because, oh my God, it's too hard. It's too slow. It's too scary. It's too complicated. I don't get it. We're trying to re- break down that barrier and go, all right, guys, let's actually talk about how you can have a bit more freedom from your business and show up with more passion in it by, by reducing that friction. So I could either spend 400 hours doing it or I could just work with you and get it done in five hours. Pretty much. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> right. And, and that's what I always say to people is like, really, it's like for me, when if you're at that stage in your business where you're probably looking at that, really time is more value, valuable to you than money, right? It's like for me, anytime, if there's something pops up and I want to either learn it, figure it out or get it done, it's like, cool, I will spend the money so that I don't have to spend the time. Like I get my, like literally just before we started, I got my meals dropped off. So I get, whilst I love cooking, I enjoy it. I have specific targets I need to hit with my macronutrients for my training program. And I cannot be asked cooking and doing that and weighing my steak and then weighing rice and then chicken and then cooking and putting it all in the thing. So I'm like, cool, 11 bucks a meal, no problem. I'll pay you 11 bucks per meal because I don't want to spend the time going and doing all of that, which is, which is really what you're saying. It's like, cool, if you want to go and spend all the time learning it, by all means, and you're like same, like if you want to go and cook all your meals, go hard. But for me, I'm I'd much rather just go. Yeah, cool. Like goose, I have five hours, you know, on on a Friday. Please, let's just get this done, so then I don't have to worry about it. And then off to the races. Yeah, totally. And when that when you boil that down, it all comes down to effective return on investment. Now, one of the big things is now for you, you're like, look, I want the the effective return on my investment of getting those those meals is I don't have to take away my don't have to burn more brain calories trying to work that out I can focus on the business which my effective value rate is going to be quite high doing that fantastic plus I get a fantastic outcome that has a as a net non financial ROI where I feel better I look better I'm happier I've got a better relationship and all of that kind of wonderful stuff fantastic so then you got to look at what is the and you got got to make these you got to make these value judgments any, with anything in in business when you think about things like business. I mean, why would you buy a specific type of property? What's it going to do? Like, is is it a waste of money? Is it a good one? Is it a bad one? Should I hire that new salesperson? Do I really think that that's going to be good money, well spent, going to be a good investment? All of that kind of stuff. Same deal. So you know the way the, one of the big things that I think that business owner and one of the reasons I think the business owners shy away from stuff like real estate aside from the time and the complexity is i think that it's slow like they think that hang on a second like business dude i can just like i'm just gonna pump more money into ads let's go let's make another hundred grand and they think that it's kind of a business is fast and real estate's just for old gray dusty people and it's just like it's kind of boring right it's like it just sits there it doesn't do anything and people think it's really slow but when you actually actually look at the when, when you actually start to understand the mechanics of it and start to look at the effective return on investment, that's I think where it gets truly, truly unique and interesting. And I think if more business owners can understand that, it might help them to understand even why you would bother. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think we, we were talking a couple of weeks ago and we're looking at like, you know, the effectiveness of like, cool, if I've got, and or let, let me ask this question first before I share that. What would be a start? Like if I'm going cool, I've, what Gusta says sounds good. I want to try and find one of these Holy Trinity properties and, and tick the boxes there. Like, are we talking that I need to have like $500,000 in cash, $200,000 in cash? Like, where do I need to like start out with to be able to start even, you know, if I go, cool, I've got this, I can then start looking and going out into the marketplace and pulling this into my strategy. Totally. Here's where it's a little different. Things are always different for business owners, right? So if you are a non-business owner, then all you need, well, for, for, in terms of deposit-wise, like how much cash do you need to get started? There's two things, cash and then there's income. So I'm going to touch on both of those. So the amount of cash you need, look, realistically, you can, you can make a good, really red-hot go of it with about 20 grand, right? I tend to say that a good starting point, though, is sort of around that $75,000 point. You know, if you've got 50, that's awesome. That's great. 75 is like a good kind of sweet spot above and beyond that. You know, like it's great. The more the merrier, you can do more stuff. That doesn't just mean you go buy more expensive properties. You may be able to diversify differently and do some other cool stuff. Now, the other thing that you got to think about those is is borrowing. Like you, you can't just go, hey, man, I've got, I've got 75 grand. Let's go. In business, more so than if you're just an employee, we need to really validate our income. So an employee can have, you know, three pay slips and an employment contract, and that will be enough for them to be able to go to a bank and go, hey, I've got 75 grand, I've got three pay slips and an employment contract, let's go, and they'll be able to borrow some money. Now, like just to give you an idea, somewhere around $80,000 or maybe even, you know, $70,000 of annual income. The thing is with business owners, like if you're actually a business owner, not only do you need to be able to prove your consistent wage, they're also going to look, want to look at the financials for the last year or two years, depending on the lender. So it's a little, you've got to kind of think about that kind of stuff as well and go, okay, how do I keep my books tidy? Because it's not just all about what's going into your bank account. They're going to go, well, you're the director. So we need to actually make sure you haven't just pulled money out of the business to make it look like you've got an income, right? All of that being said, you know, if you've got 75 grand and you're, if you've got 75 grand in cash and a 75 grand income, you can get a, you can make a red hot go of it. And in fact, you know, the reality is you can kind of get to a point in a pretty short amount of time where you've generated some significant wealth and some significant cash flow if you are strategic with how you deploy that. And so every time that I want to get a property, then let's say I do that, I have my 75 and my 75 and you know, I, I go out there and either maybe I come and hit you guys up or I magically find one of these Holy Trinity properties myself and I've got my first one. Every time do I then have to save another 75 grand to then go back and do it again? Or like, is there a way to, because we're all, as business owners and entrepreneurs, we're always trying to find the shortcut, right? We're always trying to find like the accelerated way to do it. It's like, cool, I get that's what Joe Blow does, but like, how do I do it even faster? This is why I love working with business owners. One of the things I have to do with entrepreneurs, we, we work with quite a lot of business owners to do this. I'm the brakes a lot of the time. Like, I love going fast, man. I love going fast, but I'm the brakes. Now, that being said, man, you can go a lot faster than you think. No, you don't need to save up every time. And in fact, if you do it well, you may only ever need to save up once, which is crazy. Now, to explain that, I'll just kind of, I don't want to go too deep into the weeds, but let's, let's kind of touch on some of the mechanics of how that would work. So just to simplify it, let's just say you had $100,000, right? Let's just say you had $100,000 and you, you know, bought a $500,000 property and then that went up in value by 10% in that year. Okay, well, then you will have generated another $50,000 of wealth. So that's a 50% return on investment. 
Now, when you capitalize cash flow into that as well, so for example, let's just say you made another $5,000 in net cash flow, you're up to $55,000. Now, that's based on a very simple like 10% metric. So you can kind of see how you can get your money back a little faster. You don't need to save that up. If you've got a cash flow positive property, you're going to be able to recycle that equity out of the property and into the next one. Now, that is a very simplistic format. Okay, 10%, but that's 50 grand. I started with 100, but then after 12 months, I've only got like 55. The reality is that for most of the people we work with, and if you actually get all of this right, like all of the aspects of the Holy Trinity correct, you know, a lot of our clients are actually getting over 100% return on investment in like less than 12 months, which is pretty awesome. Now, when you start getting, let's say you get 125% return on investment in 12 months, you're able to take the cash back out of the first property and use it to buy the second one. Now, if you're a business owner and you've got a certain amount of months, you can contribute to your portfolio as well, then that's going to speed things up too. So for example, if you say, right, cool, every month I'm going to take $5,000 or $10,000, we've got business owners who take $50,000 a month off the table out of their business and some that take five. That's kind of the spectrum of people that we work with. And they go, right, Cool. I've got my first 75 grand and I've got, you know, a stable income, you know, that's verifiable and all of that kind of stuff. And every month I'm going to put, let's just say 10 grand aside. And that's going to go into wealth building. Everything else, I'm going to keep it in the business and I'm going to keep pushing ahead. And then every month I'm going to put, say, 10 grand aside, and that's just going to go to wealth building. And if they do that, then that's going to be another 120 grand a year. Okay. And then when you start capitalizing that additional contribution on top, of what the property will produce itself. And then when you start reinvesting the cash flow that you're creating as well, then you can start to go really, really fast. And it moves slowly at first, and then it builds up more and more and more and more and more, more speed. So for example, is an entrepreneur that I'm working with, digital entrepreneur in the coaching space, all of that kind of stuff. And he is pretty much that exact scenario that I just explained to you. And he's never bought a property before. However, in the next two years, we'll be able to buy him four properties. And in the next... We did a whole portfolio plan for him and in 10 years time, he's going to be able to buy his $2 million dream home and have $150,000 cash passive passive income per year plus an income producing property portfolio. Now, most people think that real estate is like some 30 year, you know, just chuck your money in it and forget about it until you're old. Whereas these guys, these guys are like, you know, they're 28. It's a couple. They're 28 and they're going, look, this is great but we actually want to be able to do more in life and they want to be able to do that sooner. So that's what we're helping them do. And I think that comes back down to what you mentioned at the very beginning, which is like, cool, if you know what your goal is and you do treat it like a business and you're not just going, oh, I'm going to just get a few tax credits and save them for later. Like you, you can, same with anything, right? You, whether you're, you, you can enter an industry where people say it's traditionally hard, but if you focus and push, you can get amazing results. And in property, if you have this right approach and obviously, you know, you've got to hit the Holy Trinity, as we mentioned earlier, because if you've got a property that's negative with the cash flow, obviously it makes it a lot harder to do those things. Yeah. But if you've got like the right guidance and feedback, then I suppose it's, uh, it makes it a lot easier. And I think that's the important part. It's like with anything, it's like you need to, number one, know what your outcome is. Number two, you need to be able to find someone that has done it before that can help you. And then number three, you've got to focus on it, right? Yeah. If you don't focus on it, then of course, if you just buy a property and be like, oh, I'll leave it there for 30 years, of course, you're not going to have you hit that second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth property because you're not focusing on growing it. Totally. And, and you hit a great point there. Like, what is the goal? Like I always, I never start with the properties. Like I don't care about property. Mm. Well, like all I care about is people. Now, so that on that basis, when people come to work with us, for example, I'm always like, all right, where, where do you want to go and why? And I really challenge people on that too because a lot of people say, all right, I want to buy 10 properties. I want to go and buy 10 properties. And it's like, okay, so 
Is that like 10, $100,000 properties? Or, you know, like, what do you want them to do and why? And why is it 10? Like, what's, is that the goal? Like, for me, it's never, it's never about the volume. It's never about the number of properties or anything. It's about what is the outcome you're trying to achieve? You know, for some people, everyone's got a different measure of success and what they want to achieve. But here's the reality, right? If, if you're a lifestyle entrepreneur, as opposed to, you know, a business builder entrepreneur, if you're a lifestyle entrepreneur and then you build a property portfolio, I don't know, three, four properties, which is actually not that hard, despite what everyone may make it out to be. It's actually not that hard at all. And you can do it in a couple of years from a pretty meager starting point, realistically. And then you wanted to, I don't know, become a digital nomads and travel the world and do all of that kind of stuff. If you've got assets which are producing surplus income, you want to go sit on a beach in Bali and become a copywriter, or you want to go and write that novel in an apartment in Barcelona, or hell, you just want to go sail to Japan then having that as an income producing, it's going to be very different to someone who goes, look, I want to replace, I want a $200,000 income. You might go, well, dude, if I had like five grand a month, I'd be able to travel pretty much indefinitely. And that, that's the key. Like there's a huge, huge difference there between what people want and why. You know, some, people, some people have families, some people don't. The key though is just to understand those metrics and start to put the, the building blocks in place. 100%. And I literally haven't, there's a, one of the ads I'm running at the moment, there's a guy trying to have an argument with about this exact point with me. And he's like, oh, so like, how much do I spend? I was like, well, what's your goal? Like figure out how many sales you want to make. Then we can figure out how many calls you need to have, how many leads you need to get. And then he's like, oh, so you just want to be really ambiguous with your answer, do you? And I was like, man, it's not ambiguous. It's mathematics based on what your goal is. I yeah. can tell you just to spend all this money in the world or get a hundred properties or get two properties. But if that's not going to serve your goal, then there's no point in doing it. So I, I wholeheartedly agree because that's our, always our first starting point as well. And that's the only way that you can ever actually get what you want is by knowing what you want to start off with rather than just going, oh, I heard Kim and, Kim and Goose talking about 10 properties in 10 years and that sounds pretty good. I'll get that. Yeah, like, totally. It's not, you know, it's not the reason why. It's not going to help. And, and totally. And you can let's play that in both ways. You know, how many people have gone Facebook ads, hey? Here, that's how you make money. And then they go and spend like five, they don't understand what their CPA allowance is. You know, they don't understand the metrics between different conversion points in their funnel and they don't understand all that kind of stuff. And then they go and spend like $10,000. Or I I actually personally know someone who went and spent $50,000 and did not make one single sale. None. Like, didn't, I don't even know if he generated a single lead, right? Because he had no idea what he was doing. And so he just threw all this money at it and went, hang on, Facebook ads, they work, don't they? And he just kept throwing money at it going, it must work at some point until he got to a point where it just, it just it, man, he's broken. He, two years later, still hasn't done any more paid advertising, right? Crazy. Now, vice versa, if you just go, property, yeah? Real estate, I just throw it at houses. I just get cash and I just throw it in the general direction of houses. I don't know, I'll buy a property around the corner for me. I don't know, I'll just throw money in the general direction of houses and hopefully it works. You're going to find yourself in the same position as my mate who didn't make any money on paid ads. You know, you've got to think about what is it you're trying to achieve and you've actually got to understand what's required to get that return. And the more you can understand it, the more you can get like really good returns. It's the difference between someone getting a, a 2x on their Facebook ads and a 20x on their Facebook ads. It's the same difference. As, it's the same thing as going someone who goes and buys one property and goes, oh my God, this is horrible. I wish I never did that versus someone who buys, you know, six and can go on holidays and, and have fun, you know, and that's the difference. Yeah, so uh, I love that. So spot on. And if you're listening and if you are a business owner, you should be nodding your head along and be like, ah, yes, that makes sense. Now, 
as we get towards the end of our time here together and we've run a little bit longer than we normally do. So appreciate all y'all listening in and staying tuned in. Don't drop off and kill my metrics, guys. Please stay listening <laughs> for a little while longer. Is there a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? You know, Kim, I knew this question was coming and I couldn't prepare for it. I, I really, and I had no idea. So any question that you didn't ask me that you, that you should have, I'm going to keep this simple and impactful, I think, for business owners. You should have asked me what's the best book that I've read this year. Oh, all right. Let's, um, this is going to be interesting. What is the best book that you've read this year? Is it right next to you in your hand there? It is. I actually, you know, I actually carry this around. It's become my Bible, right? It actually kind of looks a little bit like a Bible. It's called The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. Have you read that? Oof. Yeah, I, uh, I like that one. That's a, that is a great book. Yeah. And you know, the reason I like it is, be- is because it promotes and encourages critical thought and the thinking paradigms in that book. Like I literally, anytime I feel stuck in business and life, I just flip it open to a page and read it like literally a couple of passages and I'm like, okay, there's something that's going to spark it. And the reason I think that that's the best book, I'm not here to be like, oh yeah, hey, reading. Yeah. Hey, great. It's really about thinking critically about where you're going and why. You know, I think the mistake, I mean, I've made them this mistake in business. You know, you charge in the wrong direction for the wrong reasons. You know, you focus on top line growth, not bottom line growth. And, you know, you can focus on all of these kind of things. And I think people can, you know, think strategically and not tactically. The more that people can think laterally, not linearly, the more that we can encourage people to look, take any object and look at it from three or four different sides before deciding what it is the more that I think we're going to be able to accelerate our potential. And look, as an investor, as a real estate investor, as a business owner, and a, a, you know, accelerating our potential is, is one of the most valuable things that we can do. It's the, it's the key to unlocking greater levels of wealth, greater levels of fulfillment, greater levels of happiness, greater le- levels of joy. Even though that book specifically relates to, relates to solving business problems, just in the same way that you know, lifting weights at a gym will focus on a specific muscle set, what it will do is increase your overall health and fitness and the way you approach everything else. So I reckon that's a, I reckon that's a cracker. We'll add that into the show notes for anyone that wants to check that out as well. And now Goose, if they've, if people have listened to our conversation today and they go, this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Where can they find out more about, you know, you've got a podcast and book and everything else yourself as well. Where's the best place for people to connect and find out more about what you're up to? Yeah, totally. Second best book this year is the book that I wrote called Limitless, <laughs> the Limitless, Limitless, the Renegade's Guide to Building Wealth Through Property. Look, if you're listening to this, you're obviously into podcasts. And I am the first person who knows that if you wanted to do business with me, you need to build more of a relationship with me. And if you wanted to do both of those things, then just head to theinvestorlab.com.au. We've got a great podcast. We talk about heaps of cool stuff. We've even been doing a mini series specifically on property investing for business owners called the Property and Business Series. So if you're, if you're listening to this, you're probably a business owner, you know, and if you're interested in property, go listen to that. You can get free resources there. You can get my book, all of that kind of stuff. Loads of really cool, valuable stuff. And there's even a way to reach out and contact me directly through that as well. Amazing. And guys, if you've listened to this and you loved it, please make sure that you leave us a review and then share this with someone. So if there's someone that you know that has a business and maybe they've been thinking about property and they've been asking every man and their dog, the local butcher and everyone for advice, please make sure you send them this episode so that they hear from someone like Goose who's gone out there, done it and helps business owners do it. Don't just take, you don't take business advice 
from Joe Blow. So don't take property advice from that person either. Go and speak to someone that can actually help you and give you guidance on it. And I can say hands down that, you know, you're just in a few chats and the book that I've read from Goose that definitely is the, someone who could be at least give you the right direction to go and see if you're ready or not. So I would wholeheartedly recommend go and check that out. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. And Mr. Goose, sir, thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you, sir.